Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Unfinished Business, Pursuit of an Antarctic Killer, written by Theodore Jerome Cohen. Larceny and Murder in the Antarctic Unfinished Business, Pursuit of an Antarctic Killer is book two of the Antarctic Murders Trilogy. It continues the story of Captain Roberto Munoz of the Leontour and the hunt for the millions of dollars in U.S. and British cash, negotiable securities, gold coins, and jewelry that were stolen from the Banco Central de Chile following the Chilean earthquake of May 1960. The story of the theft and murders that followed is told in Book 1, Frozen in Time, Murder at the Bottom of the World. Unfinished Business introduces Captain Mateo Valderas and Lieutenant Commander Antonio Del Rio of the Chilean Navy's Office of Internal Affairs. They have been sent to Erica, Chile, where the Leontour is undergoing repairs, to solve a murder that took place on the naval base. Their investigations uncover evidence that leads them to someone who is determined to settle old scores and wrap up unfinished business on two continents. South America, and Antarctica. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Unfinished Business. 3. Munoz was startled by his friend's accusation. He turned so as not to show the fear he was feeling. Then, looking around angrily, Munoz, with his steel-gray eyes, riveted Valderas to his chair. What do you mean you were at the site of the 1960 crime, he demanded coldly. Balderas laughed. Come on, Roberto, I'm not accusing you of anything. Relax. Let me explain. Just then, there was a knock on the cabin door. Munoz got up, opened the door, and before the steward reached the desk, the captain had already cleared a spot for Mateo's luncheon tray. Once the steward left the cabin, they resumed their conversation. You had me going for a minute, amigo. I've been on edge since that last deployment to the Antarctic. You know, we lost three men. And now I come back from leave this morning to hear about a murder in the fleet warehouse. It's not been a very good year so far, and it just keeps getting worse. Don't forget... I still must go before several Army and Navy boards of inquiry in Santiago in June as a result of the deaths of First Sergeant Rodriguez, as well as Chief Warrant Officer Lucero and Chief Petty Officer Bayolio. Thank God I won't be involved with the Ramos investigation. But I'm sorry. You were saying? Well, continued Balderas, putting a piece of shrimp into his mouth, you remember what happened in May 1960. You had orders to set a course for the main naval base at Talcahuano following the big earthquake that struck our country. Once there, you were ordered to secure the local branch of the Banco Central de Chile. A few weeks later, Señor Patricio Salazar filed a theft report with the Carabineros. It seems that his safe deposit box in that bank had been looted, and all its contents were missing. Among the items he lost, aside from some British pounds and a few gold coins, were a Patek Philippe wristwatch and a necklace dating to the late 1880s. All in all, not the largest theft in the bank's history, but still, the watch and necklace held a great deal of sentimental value to the Salazars. 
Munoz was indignant. And you think I had something to do with this theft? Please, let me continue. The Carabineros turned the case over to us because their records showed the Navy had been directed to secure the bank and surrounding area. Your ship's logs, stored in the Navy's archives, show you indeed took immediate action to do just that. In fact, you ordered two of your ship's complement, Chief Warrant Officer Raul Lucero and Chief Petty Officer Eduardo Bellolio, to cordon off the bank building and prevent anyone from entering but officers of the bank or members of the armed forces. And the Carabineros, of course. The minute I saw Lucero's name, I became suspicious. In mid-1954, the Navy's Office of Internal Affairs found evidence suggesting he apparently had facilitated the transfer of Navy supplies to the Chilean black market. The trail left behind was so complex and convoluted that our investigators never were able to determine exactly what was taken from at least two fleet warehouses, much less the final destinations of the stolen items. There were indications that a naval officer, as well as people outside the Navy, may have been involved. However, the evidence was so thin that our people came away empty-handed. In the end, no action was taken against Lucero or anyone else. And, after four years of monitoring his and the other suspects' activities, we dropped the matter. That's the one case I never was able to solve. Even though the agency considers it closed, as far as I'm concerned, it's still open. Anyway, I smelled a rat, so I went to the bank branch in Talcahuano in late June 1960 with some of my field agents for the purpose of collecting evidence. Oh, the earthquake did a lot of damage to the vault, you can be sure of that. But those safe deposit boxes are of rugged construction, with sturdy alloy doors and frames as well as heavy flanges that interlock with the door jams. The earthquake's fault line would have had to go directly through the bank's vault to create the type of damage we observed. So what are you saying, Matteo, that Lucero and Beolio broke into most, if not all, the safe deposit boxes you found open, and they took the contents? That's exactly what I'm saying. We didn't find any fingerprints that would lead us directly to them. Not that it would do any good now, given that they are dead. Nor did we ever find any of the spoils. We don't even know how much was taken, given the fact there probably was currency, gold, jewels, and God knows what else in those boxes. You know how tight-lipped people are about their personal finances. But I have to believe that the theft involved goods that probably are valued at around 12 to 15 million in U.S. currency. That's just a guess, mind you. Munoz whistled softly. My God, he knows more than I thought he did, Munoz thought. I'll have to be more careful than ever, especially around him. But what did Lucero and Bellolio do with the loot, Munoz asked. It's not as if they could have driven off with it. They never left Talcahuano. I even sent two men from the ship to relieve them after a few days. Lucero and Bellolio returned to the ship at that time and stayed aboard for the next two weeks. What happened to the contents of the safe deposit boxes? That was the question that stumped us for almost two years, my friend. It seemed that whatever was taken disappeared into thin air. And then, last night, we caught a break. A break? What do you mean? Baldera shook his head in despair. Well, some gold coins, 
U.S. $20 St. Gaudens and one Brazilian 20,000 Hayes were found near Ramos' body. It's difficult to keep evidence like that a secret when the night watchman is blabbing it all over the base before internal affairs even is notified. God knows whether or not we even have all the evidence. Sometimes evidence like that grows legs. Anyway, that got me thinking. Señor Patricio Salazar reported that he lost some gold coins in the May 1960 theft. So I wondered if the coins found near Ramos' body were from that robbery. If they were, that could, and don't ask me how, perhaps tie Lucero and Bellolio to Osorio and Ramos. It was a long shot to be sure, but what the hell? No one else had a better idea last night. So, because I still had a few hours before I grabbed the flight from Santiago to Arica this morning, I thought I would do a little digging into Ramos' files and see if I could find something. There was just one problem. As you know from your intelligence background, things are extremely well compartmentalized within internal affairs. Just because you have a clearance doesn't give you access to classified information unless you also have a need to know. So I presented my evidence to Ramos' boss at his home around midnight. He called the agency's top security officer, who was not happy to get a call at that hour, and the three of us, Ramos' boss, the security officer, and I, went down to the Office of Internal Affairs, where the security officer gave me access to Ramos' office and files. You won't believe what we found. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Unfinished Business. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.